Hello and welcome to a County Row Bobblers podcast. I did check before and it's actually been since February um, this year. So it's been a matter of months since we've actually all spoken and discussed things. Uh, it's myself, Witch, hosting today and joined by Matt Barry um, for the uh, the umpteenth time now, Matt. Uh, you just uh, come on once and you just you doesn't mean it being able to be successful to get away you since. Oh, it's fabulous to be back on. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. But, um, I mean, it's a summer, isn't it? I think we're all bored, uh, twiddling our thumbs, looking around at Twitter and scrolling through the news feeds at the moment, looking for any form of hope. But there's been obviously a lot changed during the um, the time since we last done a podcast. I think our last few were calling for change at board level. Uh, we've obviously seen change at board level, which is a start. Uh, we've seen 75% of that board of directors that have dramatically let the fan base down, um, you know, in, a, in quite a chronic way over a number of years, leave. Um, unfortunately, um, the one fella that a lot of us are looking towards that have been there longer than most is still clutching on for, for dear life. Matt, what have you made about the, you know, the changes so far and where, where do you stand on, on the position looking forward now? Well, I mean, the, the, the three that went, um, you know, it, you're just happy to see some sort of, of, of change happen. Um, you, you just can't go from one continued failing season to another, to another, to another, and, and not be held to account. Um, so, you know, change, change was imminent. I think we all, we all knew that. And, you know, as soon as the, uh, the headlock story broke, you know, then you, you've got seasons of incompetence and then, you know, and that's backed up by them, by, by that story and throw in the, you know, the, the fan base under, under the, uh, the bus so blatantly. And so just, just contemptible. It, it was, it was disgusting. Um, so the, you know, they were left with, with nowhere to go. So to see actually, you know, three of the four go, um, you know, Graham Sharp, uh, and Grant Ingalls, you, you could probably, you know, look at them in in a lesser light than than Denise Barrett Baxendale, and, and, and certainly the one that's remained. Um, you know, they they're probably the two biggest protagonists on on that board in terms of failure. Um, you know how how he's like a cockroach, Bill Kemright. You know, there's just he'll survive anything, and you can just imagine, you know, how he's probably clinging on to dear life of that title um, for, you know, for as long as he possibly can and the sooner the sooner he goes the better you know it, it, it's hard to know what to believe isn't it because you hear reports saying that you know that the fella put his resignation in and yeah. how far hard machinery you know almost begged him to stay for a period longer as the new investors come in uh, but you know he's got that that many media contacts out there you know that kind of whole propaganda that goes on and we've seen it over the years you know Gordon I read one in the Athletic where he, he was almost told that to put a transfer request in you know it's it, it all seems to be very staged you know and, and we've seen it a million times over so until he goes Matt I, I'm still you know everyone's telling me there he is and, and, and I'm speaking to people that know a lot more than I do and you know, a lot more than a lot of people do and, and they're suggesting he is on his way um, but it's hard to believe, isn't it? While well, we're still in this position, Don, Don Hutchinson uh, said a quote on on ESPN that you know he's heard that it'll be going in in the next seven days. Um, you know, we were all clinging on to forty eight hours, 
uh, over a week ago. Um, but you know, seven days for a long time in football, and I think you know one thing I'm I'm quite minded of certainly with with Farhad Mashiri is that you know Bill Kenwright is is the last sort of human shield I think for for Mashiri, and you know, once once Kenwright's out of the way, then you know the the focus very much switches on to the owner then, and you know he's had he's had the board to protect him now. Three of them have gone. Ken Wright's the last, you know, he's the last man standing. And I think that, I think, I think Mashiri, you know, for, for as much as we say, you know, he, he doesn't know a great deal about football and he, he's made unteen mistakes and some horrendous mistakes, you know, to, to get to the level of wealth that he had, he, he has, he must be a switched on guy. And, you know, I, I think that in his mind, if he can keep Ken Wright, in my opinion, if he can keep Ken Wright in the club somewhere, somehow, somewhere, then you know, he'll still be seen as, as the lightning rod and all the, uh, attract all the stick, I suppose, and all the, the discontent. It's, uh, well, I've got to say, they've, they've made more of uh, another 48 hours than Nick Nolte and, and Eddie Murphy did in that film, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it's, it's got, it seems to have gone on forever, but um, it's, yeah, no, I, I do think, you know, there is an element of, you know, let, let's not, not address the elephant in the room. Farhad Mashiri's not covered himself in, in any form of grace. Uh, obviously, we have got the stadium, he's plowed lots and lots and lots of money into Everton Football Club. But, you know, Kay Jarabuchin, you know, part of a lot of deals. And, you know, we've heard some really murky tales of some of the, you know, the the fees that may have gone out the door during the years, whether they're true or not, we don't know. You know, you just, you, you go on what you hear. Um, but the hope is, obviously, isn't it, for the, the, the new investors to come in and, I suppose what I'm going to say to you, Matt, if you're a new investor coming in, you know, I'm sure that, you know, that these uh, people that are coming in, MSP, by all accounts of the guys' rumours, um, are you going to want to trust your money, um, you know, with the, with the current people in charge? You know, are you going to trust Farad Mashiri to just crack on as he's gone on before and have this relationship with Kia, or would you come in and you would like to impose some kind of change, um, you know, certainly in culture and mindset and, and how the business is operating at the moment? I, I think from MSC, MSP's point of view, you know, um, I think it's well documented that they want, you know, change on the board um, and, and have, you know, an, an increase in, say, um, on, on how the business is running. And you can't blame them for that, you know, Mashiri's desperate for for their money you know he he needs msp more than msp needs everything i suppose at the moment you know venture capitalists will, will look at will look at the business and i think they'll they'll probably know they're investing into an undervalued asset and that's based on you know the performance of the business that since machiri's had it you know when when he took over you know everton were in were in a good place i think in some respects certainly on the on the playing field um you know we had assets and we, we could have grown, but, you know, his, his sheer negligence and um, his, his penchants to be led by, you know, super agents or, you know, certainly you hear Gerard has his ear and you can see what a fantastic job he's done at Reading. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, catastrophe after catastrophe. And, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if, if, if they're one of the next clubs to, to go under. Um, but you know, going back to MSP, if, if if you're going to be looking at investing, you know, investing other people's money, which they would be doing as 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 part of their 
you know, their, their business model in, in, and trying to grow the business, then you know you would want subject matter experts. Um, you would want you know professionals making sure that you know every facet of that business is run as smoothly as cost effectively as possible. You know, with with the the aim of of making money. You know, and growing the business, making sure that it, it becomes profitable. You know. Mashiri said five and a half, six years ago that, you know, Everton needed to be self-sustainable, you know, um, self you know, what, what, this is just a joke, you know, the, the amount of money he's had to plough in do, to do you think, afloat. Do you think there's an element of looking back at that, Matthew? I mean, it's an interesting topic at the moment, and we'll kind of come on to this very shortly with what's going on in the Premier League at the moment. Um, but obviously, when he made um, them comments, the, the world's a very different place. Um, yeah. Uh, that you know the the people at the forefront of of, of the kinds of uh, pressure um, from from parts of the world and you know it's terrible some of the scenes that have gone on and, and what's happened in Ukraine and you know and I'm not uh, for one stage talking about that side of things but um you know you you almost have things in the spotlight at the moment don't you and the, and the world's changed very dramatically since when he took over to where it is now um obviously we've talked about the sanctions. A lot of our our sponsors were linked to Alicia Usmanov. Um, um, you know, it's it's obviously you know a man that's very much under scrutiny. Um, you know, at the moment his finances, uh, you know, his I think his big superboat was seized and then released, and and I think in between, and and you know, it's no secret that obviously Farhad Bashiri is heavily linked to Alicia Usmanov, and depends on who you believe, what you read, and anything in between. Um, you know, you can you can you do your two plus two and and, and find your own answers out of that one, but. At this present time, you know, Saudi Arabia money is, is being welcomed into the country. Um, you know, we've seen some strange goings on, should we say? Um, you know, in terms of what's going on at Chelsea, the new kinds of um surgeons in the, into the Saudi Arabia League, where you know the the, the money's ap- absolutely obscene. Um, and uh, well, it's fair to say that you know that, that do you think that that that's obviously played a part in in obviously you know that landscape whole chain you know that hot landscape has all changed since Farhad Mashiri made them comments, and do you think he may have been counting on being able to maybe do some of the stuff that some of these other clubs are, are starting to do themselves? Oh, absolutely. You know, you you look at the where where the money was coming from in terms of sponsorships. You know, and you could see. You know, Goodison was was starting to go the way of you know the Etty Hadwood. You know, we saw megaphone logos, you know, at the at the, the park end. Um, you know, Finch Farm with all sorts of, of different um different company names on the media board when they were doing interviews and things like that. You know, you think when the money first came into city, they were trying to sponsor parking spaces and corner <laughs> flags and things like that, anywhere where they could siphon money in. You know, they they would try and do it, and you, you you can imagine that you know not paying any sort of attention to that. You know, Mashiri probably thought, oh, we can do that, we can do the same. But you know, it's quite interesting that you mentioned you know Saudi Arabia and you know it. Well, I was talking to somebody earlier about it, and you know they were looking at PIF. You know, and obviously they came into Newcastle. You know, two o'clock in the morning, the deal was sanctioned. You know, without letting the Premier League shareholders know until the following morning, and then the person who sanctioned the deal, you know, disappeared the morning after, or you resigned, which whichever it was, or left the left left the Premier League, um, and you know, from a from a face value point of view, you know, 
the amount of times that you know, these people try to push the deal through to Newcastle uh, for Newcastle and the Premier League batter them back and then you know the, the way they're actually they get signed off you know it's, it's riddles with riddled with with suspicion and you know and you, you find that then you know the government are involved perhaps you know by way of well you know if we if we don't sanction this then you know it's going to harm our trade with with the Middle East and then you know that leads to the, the Department of Justice in America now investigating the the live golf and the PGA um merger because PIF are behind that and you can imagine you know, once somebody like a you know, Department of Justice of the United States gets involved in an investigation and you're like, like a dog with a bone they're not going to want to let that go you know, no perhaps that has repercussions further on down the, the line for for football but well, we you, see, you can just we you see can just imagine FIFA, the likes of, yeah it's just about to say you can imagine the likes of FIFA and UEFA and the Premier League and they'll just sit back and and let all this happen because ultimately it's going to harm their their product you know if if this goes wrong it's, it's going to reflect poorly on on their product we just find ourselves in a credible position obviously you know the tracy crouch reports and the need for independent governance you know those the whole kinds of rich masters grandstanding in front of um government the other day talking about um dcms uh grandstand and saying about you know they've charged everton you know the charges on on chelsea um you know they obviously ended up with change of ownership and and the city uh charges that will probably be heard in about 10 years time uh but you know i think it's just a further nail in the coffin uh to suggest that you know the premier league are struggling to to actually get the heads up and, and actually look at reality you know what's actually going on in the league and it's um it's interesting it's interesting isn't it um i was at a work conference um a couple of weeks back and we had a guest speaker from mclaren uh and deloitte uh and they were talking about the the, the mclaren policy about how actually they see rules as things they can actually push to to the nth degree you know they don't they don't actually see rules as you know the, the black and white area they see what can we actually push the rules to the limits to get that them marginal gains? You know, and there's without doubt that you know you look at Ted Bowley, you know the eight year contracts, and you know he's he's trying to, to to look at them ways to push it. So I would never kind of frown upon that. Um, you know, there's no two ways about it that you know you have got to get them gains, and that they make all the difference. And you know, if anything, we we've called for Everton to to be snide, haven't we, and to do more of the things that you know that at times that will get us to, to a better place as a football side and, and not just accept stuff. Um, but is there a, is is there a limit, Matt? You know, is that you know should we be pushing more and, and exploring some of these things, offering these massive contracts? And I think it's it's a two way street, really. I mean, you could probably ask yourself if it was our club doing it, would you? Would you turn a blind eye to it? Because ultimately, you know, we've been 27, 28 years without a trophy. And, you know, if you could if you could guarantee a league, a league Cup or an FA Cup, you know, at, at the end of as perhaps, you know, spending a lot of money this summer that we haven't got, pushing it against the rules and, you know, think having, perhaps saying, you know, well, we'll, we'll sell Pickford by the 30th of June next year. And, you know, we're up against a charge from the Premier League um, in terms of FFP, but you know we'll just we'll see past that and we'll just go out and spend money we haven't got to try and get in 
players to try and push us up the league to attract to win us the trophy. You know, so we we would know then that you know we're we're doing something that perhaps we shouldn't do. You know, but that's in terms of you know we're sporting for sporting reasons. Whereas you know there's other clubs now who are accepting money, accepting trophy. Uh, Going ahead with transfers, you know these Chelsea players to to Saudi Arabia now. You know there was a a catch uh, a clip on Twitter earlier, and there were six Chelsea players all going out the door today for you know upwards of of one hundred and fifty million pounds. To be to yeah. be honest, Matt, I, 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 the missus is waiting for a bid to come in for me for Saudi, and think she's yeah. looking to ship me off. And, <laughs> I think her price is about ten pounds. To be fair, but uh... but do you know what though, if if one of those clubs offered you know, ten million pounds for Michael Keane, you know full well that's the deal that's going to get investigated yeah 100 you know because that would be you know gary neville's come out and said you know they, they should stop they should, immediately the premier league should stop all these deals to saudi because you know it's it, it's inflated prices and you know, looking at ruben neves for example you know there's there's talk that he's going to get loaned straight to newcastle you know it's a 47 million pound player that's going to go to you know a club in saudi arabia that's all that's uh, a majority shareholdings owned by the state and he's going to get straight, straight back to the Premier League you know Newcastle you know, good on them if it, if it happens because you know as you go back to the conversation you said then you know they're just exploiting a loophole in you know what the Premier League have, have allowed to happen with such lax governance over the last couple of seasons it, it does make you think though as well doesn't it obviously you know we talk about the Tracy Crouch report and we talk about the Super League um, you know and the Premier League is, is known as a brand at the moment that is is almost unstoppable. Um, you know, in terms of where it's going, it's going upwards and upwards. Um, if you were actually, you know, wanting to get a Super League off the ground, would it actually be in your interest to try and pick apart the Premier League. You know, buy its best players, send them elsewhere. Uh, you know, put put it in a place where the governance has fallen apart. You know, that, so you'd eventually get a case to actually create a, a new league. Um, so it does make you wonder. You know, is there an end game in all this? You know, is this? You know, is are the Saudis actually long term invested maybe in the Super League that they can actually control? Um, you know, and, and uh, you know this whole kind of initial phase is taking players off the Premier League and let it, let it implode on itself. So. I mean, it's a bit of a conspiracy theory there, but you, you do wonder, you know, you do wonder, you know, is is this best for the Premier League to be selling players left, right and centre to a, a league that's, that really speaking, no one's going to watch it. You know, we had China a few years ago, didn't we, when, and there was that kind of whole fad there. You know, we've seen Oscar uh, go from from uh, Chelsea. Um, we've seen that fantastic player that we had, uh, Sally Rondon. Go over, go over to China, but you know we've seen this whole kind of influx at the time of players go, but never really got off the ground. Um, but I think uh, you know it does make your your mind tick over at times, and yeah, I think you've you've got to approach this with caution. I think Gary Neville is quite right to call it out. You know, if you're going to be consistent about these things, he was a massive advocate of calling the Super League out, even though Man United would have been a huge benefactor at the time financially. Um, but obviously he may have had his, his Salford's hat on as well, uh, rightfully so, you know, because we've got to protect the football pyramids. Uh, but yeah, you've got to be consistent, haven't you, Matt, on, on these things. So if you called out the Super League, you should be really, I think, calling out this as well. I, I think so, because, you know, I don't think that, you know, when you look at China, for example, you know, there were a couple of outliers, like 
you know Oscar and and Hulk and and Fellaini and people like that you know who were I suppose recognized European footballers you know at, at a good pedigree but you know they were still a lot of players who were go, going over there um getting paid a lot of money right at the tail end of their careers and you know it was the, the, the Chinese government ended up calling time on it because you know they were just sanctioning massive fees and, and, and massive wages but I think if you look at it from the Saudis' point of view, you, you've got the government who's invested in, I think, five or six clubs that control an interest. And they're, you know, they're willing to put in, you know, billions and billions of pounds in this. And, you know, where you see players like Kante uh, go in and, you know, Koulibaly was a, was a 50 million pound footballer, you know, 18 months, two years ago. And, you know, now they're, they're off over there. And you can say, right, okay, fair enough. Yeah, they're making them, they're monetizing. You know, the rest of the, their careers and you know they're at an age now where perhaps you know they, they could probably you know treat it as a bit of retirement home but when you're taking players like you know Ruben Neves and you know there's um Edward Mendy's going the goalkeeper um you know, see Yach is going and there's talk about you know they're interested in Son from Spurs you know these these are players who are you know still still in the peak of their powers and you know if they're going to buy them just as, a, as an asset and then send them back out into Europe. You certainly are clubs where financial fair play or profit and profit and sustainability is, you know, a, a little bit shadowy, you know, certainly with Wolves and certainly with Chelsea, you know, Chelsea especially, you know, they've spent £650 million last year and, you know, you can imagine they're under pressure to get some money in by the end of, by the end of June just to try and, and make sure that you know, there is there are no uh, no charges hitting their door. Bear in mind they haven't got Europe next year either. So yeah. you know, where they where they've been used to having you know a lot of TV income, a lot of you know prize money from from Champions League and things like that. You know that's all gone certainly for next season. So you know I think I think you know China and Saudi do have the similarities by way of um, you know the, the model of of the league, but you know I, I think that. As you quite rightly said, you know, the way that football has developed over the last couple of years since Bashiri's come in, then, you know, there's been a few more questions about ownership and where money actually comes from. And protecting the pyramid in, in this country is, is, is huge. And, you know, you don't want another scenario where people will be looking to form another Super League again because they can't compete with the money that you know, the Middle East are, are prepared to play players that, to go over there. Definitely, but I couldn't agree more. And the reason why I'm tiptoeing around it is because exactly what I said about the McLaren uh, theme as well. Because obviously, MSP were investors in McLaren. Um, you know, obviously, source you know has started to look to increase that ownership McLaren as well. So I'm sure you know, they're a company that are very data driven. They look for ways to exploit. Um, should we say you know what they can do in terms of the grey areas in between the the, the black and white laws. Um, so you know, I think um, I think it may be something that we, we may see if they do invest in Everton that we do see you know a slightly sea change in terms of our approach and our our mentality and our culture. I actually do know you know part of you know if they've obviously they've only been in McLaren for a short period of time, but a lot of what McLaren do as well as actually um, employ people that aren't Formula One fans, and certainly aren't McLaren fans. Um, because they want 
um, that our motion to come out of decisions, they want it all to be driven right the way down to data at the point of the most, you know, intelligence. So they don't want people making decisions just because, you know, they think, you know, that the, the right thing to do or they'll, they'll quell a, a few people. So it'll be interesting because we may see, um, you know, very kind of analytical data-driven um, decisions, a transfer deadlines, um, you know, we may not see deals in January, <laughs> you know, if, if they don't make perfect financial sense for what we're trying to do and our yeah. our overarching goal and, 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 and you know, our, our, where we want to be. You know, when, when this when this new board comes in, um, you know, it, it, it wouldn't bother me in the slightest if not one of them were Evertonians, mm. not not one bit, because as long as they're the right people for the job, it doesn't matter because their professionalism will will carry the right decisions for the business and they'll make the right decisions for, for, for Everton on the field and off the field. So, you know, we've we've had 20 odd years of, you know, the, the greatest living Evertonian running the club and, you know, it's given us absolutely nothing, <laughs> absolutely Se- nothing. Self-proclaimed. <laughs> so, absolutely. So, you know, if you've got the right people in the right place, ultimately, as long as, you know, they're doing the job that they're supposed to do and they're employed to do, given the parameters, you know, and the remit that they can go and do their job, which, you know, we know that people at our club perhaps aren't, don't have that luxury and haven't had that luxury, then, you know, ultimately, does it really matter who, if they're Evertonians or not? I don't think so. I think, well, it will kind of come on to uh, a question asked from a friend of ours we speak to quite often on, on uh, Twitter. Um, for anyone who doesn't follow him, follow him. He's a good lad, at Rad Viking one. Um, really good lad. And he asked a question if the new port, uh, whenever, uh, sorry, whenever that happens, I'm assuming I'll, I'll actually use what he spelt as Ken Rong is gone, <laughs> uh, can rain Mashiri in and allows people to do their jobs without interference. How confident are you that? Kevin Felwell and the recruitment team will get it right. So based on it's kind of relevant to what we've just been talking about. So what do you think, Matt? So you've you have took that kind of mid-level out, you brought someone, you know, new in, and we're talking about empowering, you know, potentially the football people to make football decisions. That sounds a yeah. crazy concept, doesn't it? It, it? it does. I mean you you think that, you know, with with MSP and, and their background that they would also look at Kevin Felwell and his background. You know, at, at, within the Red Bull organization, and and look at somebody who's you know been in, in a very big organization, um, who's you know had a senior management position there, and he's he's been able to to operate in that type of environment where they would have used data, they would have analyzed players. You know, if you look at the Red Bull at the Red Bull system, you know they're looking at players from all over the world, which they'll bring into Salzburg. Um, and into into Leipzig, you know, and, and obviously in, into New York. So, you know, they will have, they would have had a structure there where the scouting is in place to look, you know, look further afield, not just the Premier League, as we usually lazily do, you know, and make sure that their scouts do have in-date passports so they can go across, you know, across the different countries and different continents and look at players in emerging emerging leagues and obviously now you know the um the uh, the work permit guidelines have been relaxed then you know why can't we do what Brentford and, and Brighton do you know why can't we go to 
to South America and to you know into emerging African nations and, and find these players before they get to you know we can find them at their their clubs are at now before they end up going somewhere into a Belgium or Norway or Austria or Sweden or Germany and then us paying you know the 15 20 million pounds when we could have picked them up for you know four or five million pounds from from their original club you know so hopefully hopefully you know people coming in and look at the backgrounds of the people who we've actually got and go do you know what you're actually capable you know professional um you know competent people and it's just been the layer on top over the last few years that have stopped you from doing you know what what you're actually good at doing exactly if bill hasn't seen him on match of the day then he's maybe not interested uh, but you know, i think it's a, it's an interesting point that you made about the uh, obviously the, the, the you know the relaxed uh Work permit rules. Um, obviously, you do see a lot of South American players go off to to Porto. Um, some of the Portuguese league, you know, um, main teams there, and and actually, you know, they go there for a couple of years and end up getting bought by the Premier League, up, you know, for super money almost. Uh, so you know, it's it's again, you know, a mechanism that Everton may look at, you know, because you know we need to have a sustainable model that actually works for us. Um, and just moving on from that, obviously, we've. We brought a player in that, that, that probably fits that bill, uh, albeit we probably pulled some a club too late. Um, but that probably has shortened his kind of lifespan at Everton, which is Amadou Inanna. Uh Obviously bought in for, for close to 30 million, 35 million-ish. It was up, you know, a deal that was over the course of his contract um, to be immortalised. Uh, however... You know, we, we kind of bought that player in knowing that he was, you know, a, a huge talent, a player that was already being looked at by some of Europe's biggest clubs. And lo and behold, he, you know, he has a season at Everton. I think it's fair to say it was okay in part, but you could see his talent. You know, certainly there were standout games there, the Southampton game, the Arsenal game at home. You know, you could see, you know, this, this lad's got talent here. Um there's rumours that you know he may be subject of a bid from some of the Premier League clubs. Um, Masses, you know, is is, is is looking at the Anana deal and, and judging just based off what you've just said. Is this the kind of model we need to look at? You know, there's there's there's, there's obviously lots of Everton fans saying don't sell them. You know, we need to be keeping our best players, but do we need to adapt our mindset as fans as well? Oh, hugely, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to compete with, you know, the not just the superpowers of, of European football now, but you know, the superpowers of the Premier League, sadly. And, you know, if you look at the Premier League in in sections, you know, you've got four or five teams who are head and shoulders above. Um, then you'll have six or seven teams then, which will be, you know, where where we need to get back to, I think. You know, where we've fallen from over, over the last couple of years, but you know, and and those those type of clubs, you know, should be the from from a player's point of view, certainly from a um, a player with you know real real potential, somebody like Gonana, then you know Everton need to be seen as the club before the club, you know, the club before the final destination, and. You know, what 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 we'll be able to do from there is you know providing that the recruitment team can can do what what they can do or should do is that you know clubs will look at us and think yeah you know they are a logical stepping stone they they play in the most watched league in the world they're a you know a fairly competitive team within that league so you know that 
the player's going to get you know good experience going to get good minutes playing against you know the, the best opposition that they can do and then they can aspire to go to places like Real Madrid Barcelona um Juventus Milan um Bayern Munich you know but we we, we all think you know we think that Everton we're the best you know we're the best club in the world we love Everton you know there's we're, we're blinkered in, in what we do and what we believe and you know perhaps we do live in, in the past a little bit but you know I think you can thank the chairman for that the outgoing chairman um for you know, for for the mentality that sadly you know we, we do get labeled with sometimes of living in the past but you know players who who want to aspire to they can come to come to our club know they're going to get looked after for a couple of years know they're going to get well coached know they're going to get really good competition and then you know, we'll be in the mentality that, you know, these players are just passing through. But when they're passing through, they're going to play very well for us. We're going to get as much out of them as they're going to get from us. And then, you know, after two or three years, we say, we pay 10 million for you. We're going to sell you for 50 million. Thank you very much. We wish you well. And then, you know, the money which we've made from them gets reinvested into the next one and then the next one and then the next one. And, you know, I, I don't, at this point in Everton's time, I don't fear is anything wrong with that and I don't think that you know we we should shy away from saying do you know what if if we do need to spend three four five years doing that and that helps us then become far more sustainable in terms of player trading whilst we're growing the commercial side of the business in, in the new stadium you know I don't think we're going to struggle to stay in the Premier League like we have done over the last couple of seasons Definitely, you know, you probably look at a club like Dortmund, don't you? You know, and not to say we're going to be there, in, you know, in five yeah. years, but you've got to look at a club there who who players come to. Haaland's a great example of, you know, a player that, that obviously left Austria and came to Dortmund knowing that he'd just be there for a year or two, yeah. prove his reputation um, and kick on. Obviously, Dortmund's a far down the line than we are, but, you know, we're going to have this big stadium, the increased revenue, a new board that can actually capitalise on every single path to club. Uh, but, you know, you become a club that then top young players want to come to the club. You know, there's an identity, a plan, a way forward that, you know, eventually, like you say, you know, you, you constantly turn this money up. There's, there's a way forward to become a club that becomes competitive again, that can compete at the top level. And then the hope is that not, on the back end of that, then, you know, you get investments elsewhere. You can kick on again. You can become the Everton that, you know, that probably my dad remembers, not not yeah. in my lifetime, but my dad remembers because that's what we want to be. You know, we want to be a team that, that's winning trophies, not just existing. But, you know, there is a reality check within there that there's got to be some steps that are made up that ladder before we can just jump from A to B. And for every Brighton and Brentford, there's been a Leicester and Southampton who were the fashionable clubs at the time, who were doing all the right things in recruitment and everyone was was looking towards them to be the, you know, the the the, the way that Everton should be almost. Both of them are just being relegated from the, the Premier League. Time waits for no man. So it's a it's a ruthless place. Got to get it right. And you know it, you, it's always a season a bad recruitment away from from dropping out the division. So I think it's it's more a case of now Matt, isn't it? You know, it's you know, one bad manager appointments, a couple of bad signings that, that go the wrong way. You know, there's that, that, not stopping Brighton going down in two years' time or, or Brentford either. No. You know, we, we, we've been stuck in a, in a circle of that for the last you know, for the last six years. 
bad manager appointments, bad recruitment, and you know money not well spent, and you know it's been a bit of a tailspin for us. And you know eventually we we, we have to break the cycle, and you know hopefully a, a new board, fresh eyes, um, you know new money hopefully, but yeah, I, I, if if you if you go back to the the first couple of episodes of Welcome to Wrexham, and I'm going off piece a little bit, but you know you get. Rob McElhenney and and Ryan Reynolds turning up and saying, listen, we haven't got a clue what we're doing. Not a clue. So we're going to go and get the right people. We're going to get the best people we can get in the positions that we need to fill to you know sort the club out. And you know, that that's exactly what they did. And you can you can see how how that's helped them, you know, move forward as quickly as as they as they're moving. Just by going, you know, identifying what they need, they need the right people, the best possible people they can get to fill the positions that need filling. And you know, it, it's never going to be a quick fix with, with Everton. We 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 just don't we don't work like that. We're not we're not that lucky as a club. But when you start making the right decisions, then you know things will become a lot easier because it's easy once you've made the right decision. It's easy to make the next right decision. And you know, John Blaine says it brilliantly, where he says, "You know, if you're going to fail, fail quickly, so you can learn and make the right decision next time." And <laughs> you know, you know, we we've had twenty, twenty seven, twenty eight years of not making good decisions as a club, and you know, we need to start making the right decisions now. Certainly, with with the stadium on the horizon. And it comes out, you know, empowering people to make that decision, that, you know, the, the point of most information. I mean, why would you never allow Kevin Felwell, who's employees handsomely or, or brands before him, to make a decision on a player? Why why would, you know, Bill Kenwright, with all due respect, be involved in that decision, you know, in, in what, 2023? What, what, you know, why would Keir Jarrett Butchin, who's, who's literally in, in that conversation for money, be involved in it? Kevin Bell was employees let him make the decision. It, it's based on, on on obviously his departments, what he oversees, that football inside. Mm-hmm. Let him make it. And I think as soon as you start tiptoeing in and changing the you know the boundaries there, it all starts to like say unravel and doesn't it? Oh, hugely, you know, in you you've got to think that from from Fellow's point of view, you know, I I think he he probably could have walked out. Over the last couple of transfer windows, you know, based on the club not doing anything, not making, not acting on on his recommendations, and not being able to support the manager, and you know, you just think that the background that he's got and the clubs that he's been at, you know, he he, he must be a good operator. So, you know, it, it, we need to see what he can actually do now. You know, he, we had probably a six out of ten summer window. Last you know, last season, um, you know, Jimmy Jimmy Garner was a fantastic signing. You know, sadly we didn't see enough of him last season, but you know, Onana. I think the jury can be a little uh, out a little bit on on him. As, as you said earlier, you know, he's had some really good games and he's had games where you know it's just passed him by. But you know, he's obviously young and he's learning, and you know, we, we sort of knew what we were getting with with him. So. I think you it doesn't matter. You're almost no, you're going to make profits, don't you? Oh yeah. If you look yeah, back absolutely. at all the signs we've made, you know, and you look back and you'd almost expect us to lose money. But Anani, you're almost 
you're at least going to make your money back. And, and, and that, to be fair, is yeah. a level up, which I said all about the recruitment over the last oh, five I, years. I, I absolutely agree. You know, the, the, the position the club's put itself in over the last you know, four, five, six years is that, you know, we've been buying players for, for the now, not for not for development, not for the future, because, you know, we had to dig ourselves out of the hole we were in rather than be in a, you know, a position of, of decently, you know, sure footing and when we can, we can buy players to, and help develop into better players. We've just had to make do with what we can get to dig us out of the situation we've been in. You know, probably you know, we've got a, a group of players, Ghana, Branthwaite, Onana, um, Tom Cannon. You know, we've, we've got the nucleus of, of some really, really good young players, Nathan Patterson, for sure. Um, you know, whisper quietly, Dwight McNeil. You know, but there's... There are some very good young players at the club, but we've got a lot of dross as well that we've managed to collect over over the past few seasons as well. And there so, seems so, to be nothing in the middle. No, definitely not. But I, I think there is an, an imbalance in the squad, isn't there? I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah. And the, the one I worry about is, is is actually, you know, some of the players that actually we don't want to stay at the club. If we let them go, then you're almost creating an extra conversation, you know, an extra player that we need to sign. Um, I think Begovic is probably a good example of that. Mm. You know, we've already probably got six players or seven players to sign in key positions and not a lot of money, not a lot of time because time disappears. Um, and all of a sudden now you've got to get another backup keeper. You know, there's talks of like him or love him, Tom Davies leaving the club. I will probably know over the next uh, 72 hours whether Tom will leave the club or not. But again, it's a, it's an extra position you need to sign. Yeah. And you can say what you want, but you then got to go out, have the conversations, approach agents. And it becomes a whole you know couple of weeks that you've lost trying to sign someone that potentially is a fifth and sixth you know, position player that will sit on the bench. Yeah. Um, so you've got to be very careful, I think, sometimes about... Who you let go? Don't get me wrong. I'd sell ninety nine percent of them and not bat an eyelid in the perfect world because I've not got much love for a lot of this squad that we've got right now. But also, you've got to balance off the fact that you know we we have got to look at what we've actually got money wise, what we've actually got squads wise, and and how that transitions. You know, really speaking, you don't want a squad to be turned over in one transfer window. You know, I'm sure Felwell's looking at it as a three to five year process. You know, he's looking at the the young players that are coming up as well. Don't forget, we had the academy ban. You know, that sometimes people look at the academy, but I think we've obviously potentially turned over close to fifty million um, last couple of windows with the academy players. Um, but we've had a bit of a tough time there as well. But we need to be looking at that whole picture, stepping back and having a bit of a holistic view about where we want to be in three to five years' time as fans. <laughs> At times, we're kind of just looking at this window. We don't want to be in this position in 12 months, but I'm sure Kevin's probably, start, you know, the, the whole kind of stopping, stepping back, thinking about it. You know, what can we actually do in this window? Is this going to cause more problems than it's worth? So, Matt, I'm going to ask you this one. I know we had a bit of a debate on it the other day. Uh, we've got some players that are rumoured leaving. Um, obviously, Mope, I think we can we can probably both agree on that one quite quickly. Uh, Ella Sims. Um, bit of conversation around him. Um, I think we'll probably come to the same agreement to be fair on that one. Alex Awobi, 12 months left. There's got to be a, there's got to be a decision either way this summer. I, I'm probably a player that 
you know, plays on the wing as well, which is another attacker, is Damari Gray. So four players there. It's a key summer property for all four in terms of a club, in terms of what we do. Start on Mope. I tell you, you're just saying get rid of them straight away. Just take whatever we can from. Yeah. Generally. We, we won't spend much on that. Ella Sims, there's been some debate online. Should we give these players more time? What, what's your thoughts, Ella Sims? Um, um, th- th- there's an established market for him, for him in, in the championship. So you you look at the the fee that the club want for him, which is rumored to be something between five or six million pounds, and it looks like you've got three clubs who who are willing to pay that. Um, you know, Dice has had best part of you know four or five months to look at him. Um, you know, if the, if they're entertaining offers for him, then you know that that I think that says it itself. You know, I think what we would like to, what I would like to see with with players like like Sims is that, you know, we, we take the Man City approach, is that yeah, you can have him for you know five six million pounds, but we want a 15, 20 million pound buyback. So you know, if he does go into the championship, if if he does flourish, if he does become, you know, a player with with real potential, it's not to say that we would buy him back, but you know, we've got the the, the first opportunity, first refusal, or Perhaps a, a built-in a built-in fee that you know helps us in the future. Um, certainly with putting in um, sell-on fees as well, which you know I think when the club decides to remember to do it, then 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 they do it. Um, but you know I, I think anything north of five million pound for him is instant profit. You know we can make that five million stretch. You know, it's a it's a really good down payment to put on a player who who we're looking at. So, you know, get him gone. Why don't you think he's a Premier League player? I don't think he is, by the way. Just 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 as a bit of a caveat um, to that. But why don't you think he's a Premier League player? I don't. I I think he's. I think his movement um, is. It, it's it's his physicality is good, and you know he, he pretty much ended the career of Kaladu Koulibaly in the Premier League, you know, just by one side step, and and it was it was his power that, that took him past him, um, rather than you know, rather than a, a ghosting run where he's gone off the shoulder of, of, a, of a defender, um, he's probably had the worst baptism of fire that he could have had, you know, being thrown in at Anfield, and then Old Trafford. You know, perhaps you could say, you know, you you were a little bit unlucky, but um, that could have been his opportunity to rise to the occasion a little bit because Liverpool were dreadful at the time, you know, and and, and Man United have been pay, playing Luke Shaw at centre half for quite a lot of games this season. So you know, I I I think he's he's got potential Sims, but he, he's not what we need now. I don't think. I, I agree. By the way, obviously, I spoke to a good friends of mine who's a Blackpool fan, um, and you know, good friends with Neil Critchley as well. Um, and what we're kind of discussing at the moment is what was discussed back then. Nothing's really changed on that front. You know, they were, I think Neil, Neil's uh, question to him is, if you're not scoring, what are you doing? Mm. Um, you know, and how you're impacting the game. You know, mobility. Are you running the, the channels, bringing other people into play? Uh, all these things that Neil obviously tried to work on at the time with Ellis haven't really changed. I think quite right. You know, could you sell that player? You know, when he he done really well at Blackpool in the Championship years ago. 
could you have got five million for him then? As a five back clause, and you know, we might be in a bit different position. We almost hold on to them for an extra, you know, two, you know, she went to Scotland and they went back to the, the championship and yeah. then he comes back to Everton. Make you know, be decisive, make decisions, add the clauses in if you need to, to you know, as a bit of a comfort blanket. But maybe you just well, don't just seem like, comfortable in these things at all. Yeah, you, know, you just look at a player like Lewis Gibson, you know, he, he's still around you, he'd be having his testimonial soon. He's been off of the contract again as well. Yeah, he's just been around for forever. You know, we had Matty Pennington playing in the under twenty ones when he was twenty six. You know, Connor yeah. Connor McElhenney, you know, he, he was around for the years and years as well. Luke Garbett. You know, you're right. We 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 just haven't made the right decisions with these players. And you know, that I, was, I think there was probably a time where we could have sold Luke Garbett for you know for really, really good money. But we just kept all of them. Who? <laughs> that's what I wanted but uh, no, yeah so we move on to, uh, to I agree Sims you know it's yeah selling but probably a few years too late on that as well because of inserted clubs you know uh, sorry couldn't say but the clubs that he's been at before a fee uh, and also you know a, a buyback fee or a sell on fee yeah. would have been probably better off many years ago um, Awobi um, I know I don't want to get, get off you this but uh, what's your what's your kind of I mean, I'll start because I know that you're going to be that you're going to be probably different than me on this one. But I, I do when I talk about causing more problems than 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 actually looking for solutions. I do think that Awobi um, has been quite, should we say, a player that has been quite adaptable for us certainly in the last couple of seasons. I think he had a, a terrible start to Everton, and I think it was you know possibly because of culture. You know, in terms of we just signed a player last minute, we didn't really have a plan for him, and he was he was kind of thrust upon Everton, and we changed managers, God knows how many times within that time. Uh, I think since then he's become a player that some managers have relied on. Frank Lampard probably reinvented him in a, in a little bit of a way of, of playing him central and a bit deeper than he's played before. Obviously, Deitch is, is stuck to his principles. He's you know he got balls of steel. I'm playing on the right, and he's playing there every week, and he, and he has played there every week. Um, Twelve months left, however, uh, you know he is our, our our biggest assister, should we say? That's actually a phrase. But we're losing a whole lot of assists from open play if we get rid of him, and we're losing a player that can play right. He has moved from central when he needs us, and he can play left. And he's also can you know he can potentially play right wing back at times as well. You know if needs us. And we know that that's going to possibly be an issue that might size. Um, you know, I think Jimmy Garner had to play right back right at the end of the season against Wolves. Um, you know, we're we're in a position actually where we've got pass. And we're still not too sure whether this lad can play 38 games a year. Although I'm a big fan, some may argue with me. Um, you've got Coleman that's still, you know, keeping his tickets in and and doing his bit. Uh, but again, we know that he can't play over a sustained period of time. This is a massive explanation for me to actually say that. That's my kind of view on a Wobi that I would potentially look to, to extend his contract. However, if a, a big comes in of over fifty million pounds, I would be tempted because I'd look at like James Harrison and a place like that. Where are you stood on on a Wobi, Matt? And what's your what's your benchmark for if if a, if a big came in, what would you sell him? Um, I'd 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 sell him. If given the opportunity this summer, um, I think that he's 
he's, he's almost like a jack of all trades and, and master of none in, in, in some respects. Um, he, he's, he's had some very good moments for Everton, but by the same token, he's had some not so good moments as well. Um, I think that he's been, I think his fitness um, has meant, and his availability has meant that he's probably played some, that's my opinion, sometimes more often than, than what he should have. And we haven't had the, the availability of other players to actually take him out of the side um, and let players, let other players establish themselves. Um, I mean, given the opportunity of selling a Wobie for 15 million and buying Jack Harrison for 16 million, that is an absolute no brainer for me. Absolute no brainer. That'd be the temptation for me if that's a possibility. If, if if you if you look at their numbers for last season, you know they're they're not too they're not too dissimilar. Um, and if you can sell somebody in the last year of their contract for ten to fifteen million pounds, and then bring somebody in who's younger, who is uh, who scores more goals than than a Wobie for similar money, but you're going to get four years out of this guy, then. I think that makes sense. Um, you know, think, fingers crossed. You know, Jimmy Garner has a has a good preseason and, and no injuries, and he stays fit because you know he started in the midfield before Alex Awobi is all day long. You know, and I think, uh, I think I'll Garner be honest with you, Matt. So, I'll be honest with you, Matt. He's my first name in midfield now. No, oh, you know, please I mean, God, this whole he stays fit because he's superb. Yeah, I think he's a fantastic player. Um, but you know, going back to will we being you know, a jack of all trades, you know, master and he's he's played in the number ten position and, and he didn't do it when he was there when he was given the opportunity. So he ended up being centre midfield you know, in Duncan's game against Chelsea with the the Icelandic number ten um, and Morgan Snydlin. So Morgan Snydlin wasn't it? Um, <laughs> he started alongside him. Um, he always played. You should say. You know, we, you remember the the Fulham game in COVID where he played, you know, he played left wing back, I think, and then went across the other side of the pitch and played right wing back. And you know, for somebody who's who's seen as very skillful by his teammates and you know the players' player of the year, he just doesn't seem to be able to nail down a position in the team. And I think that we're probably entering a stage now with with a manager like Daesh where he wants square pegs in square holes and he'll want he likes to have a settled team and I just don't see Alex Awobi being somebody who will, will settle we'll move on to Deitch very shortly I'm, I'm going to leave you to Ryan Williams to argue this one on Twitter for the next two months because <laughs> he'll hear it and I'm sure he'll pick it up on it um, so <laughs> I won't come back on that but uh, Tamari Gray um, again, what's your benchmark? Um, would you be tempted to get rid of him if a big comes in? Huge Damari Gray uh, fan, or no? I, you know, if we for what we pay for him, if if you can if you can get seven and a half, somebody seven and a half to ten million pound, I think that's fantastic business. Certainly with with a year to go, um, he's a sixty minute player, Damari Gray. You know, once you get to the once you get halfway through the second half, normally, you know, he's, he's on his backside. And, you know, the, the goal, the uh, the goal 
that Southampton scored at Goodison is it just typifies that for me. You know, where he just the arms go up in the air if he doesn't get the ball and he just seems to stop and doesn't want to track back until he's reminded that he's got to track back. He's got the manager screaming at him to do that. You know, he's, he's, he's a talented player, but, you know, if, if you can triple or quadruple your money on him, I, I, think, I think we should move him on. Yeah, I agree. I think we've got to take the emotion out of it, haven't we? You know, we can, yeah. I should say, we can treble your money on them, move on, get someone else in. Um, the danger is, and, and obviously this is a caveat, is that we probably need to add 15 to 20 goals to side. Um, so taking assists and taking goals out of the side that already isn't producing and scoring a lot of goals, you need to bring them in. So that's where the good recruitment comes on. That's the pressure for Kevin Fellwell to make sure anyone that goes out of the win, you know, the, 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 anyone that goes out, we're actually, you know, not only bringing them goals back in in the assists, but we're adding to them, you know, because we've got, we've got to get in a position where we're scoring 15 to 20 more. Yeah. You know, so take them away. You're adding potentially, like I say, you've got to you've got to watch that balance. You you know you you you're taking goals away, and the side actually need to score more goals. So, um, in terms of the, in terms of that, then uh, you mentioned on this last topic, them kind of talking on, and we'll kind of gloss over recruitment on this as well as Deitch. Um, obviously, I think you're quite right in what you say that you actually will want players that will just turn up and do the job, and he can rely on and play X amount of games per year. Jack Harrison, for example, would probably be an ideal signer for, for Deitch. Um, you know, he'll probably want players that, you know, that, that do play in their positions. Uh, he can rely on that they're going to play more often than not. Um, who, who do you think would be good buys for Deitch that we've been linked for so far? I mean, we've been linked with ridiculous amounts of players already, and it's... Where we we're actually only on there, June. Um, so you know, just give me one or two of the names that you think would be Deitch players that he'd look at and think, yeah, right, that's that's me, man. Bring him in, and he'll he'll add something to this squad big time. Um, I think Harrison certainly. You know, I I think he's he uh, he's just he's a hard worker, but he assists and he scores, and you know. If he's got a thirteen to sixty million pound relegation release clause, then I think you know that we we could we could do with somebody like him very much. So he, he's almost he's almost like a right. I I think it, it, for for Dyche, I think it's somebody he could probably trust. Looking at what what he's done for Leeds, um, and I think that'll be a big thing in recruitment this year. Is that over summer it'll be people who he can trust because we're not going to have a great deal of money. Um, so I think he would he would suit. Um, oh, you know, about big horse, you know, he, he's a popular topic of conversation because <laughs> he already you know because he because he knows Dash Dash has already bought him once. Um, you know, they Burnley are going to have to do something with him if if they don't want to keep him. Um, there's you know Musa Dembele from Lyon, who's who's got a, a track record of scoring goals in 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 the UK, you know, albeit fleetingly at Fulham, but you know, very successfully at at Celtic and, and also in, in Europe as well. Um it did I think there's a few there's a few players who were on a free this summer who you could probably look at and think, 
you know, we we could take them in, and if it doesn't work that season, you could still move on one for decent money. Um, I would like if we can get rid of one of Keane or Holgate, then I'd like us to go back in for Connor Cody. I think somebody quiet on that front. Yeah, I, I think you could do with somebody who, you know, it, it's just who's a little bit of um, who will make people accountable for their behaviour and their training standards. And you know what the manager's trying to trying to instill into the team. Um, I would probably look at players who it's going to be quite lazy this because you know we've spent a lot of time about talking about good recruitment and things like that. But you know, Manchester United are going to look to move on some players, and I think Scott McTominay is tailor made for Everton. I think he is I think he's everything that you know perhaps James McCarthy could have been for us if 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 Martinez ever played him against Wolfsburg you know the dynamic runner box to box will chip in with the odd goal or so but you know whoever's whoever he's up against he will give them a very very hard and tough game um, you know he's the type of player who we love isn't it you know a real hard worker Somebody will, you know, come off the pitch. You know, you've given him. Every, you knew he's given everything. Um, I just hope that nobody comes in late for Pickford, because I think that'll leave us. It'll, it'll leave us with a lot of money, but it'll leave us with a massive, massive problem. Well, I, I hate to say it, um, but uh, I won't. I won't uh, say say who, but Matt. Yeah, I know you'll know who exactly I'm talking about. Um, definitely, it's interesting Pickford. Um, but we'll see how that plays out. There's interest in a few keepers from Man United. Um, so mm. obviously, the hope is that that you know that Man United look elsewhere. Um, obviously, Everton are at a point they probably need to sell to refresh the squad. So, you know, you hope that someone will look at Amadou and Arna, possibly. And that will allow us then to bring, you know, three, four, five players in. If that doesn't happen, you know, it could rumble on a little bit. You know, the, you know, and if certain clubs don't get the keepers that they want, they may look elsewhere. If if, if there was one person we could say, right, you can sign somebody tonight, who would it be? It'd be you know, Victor Giocares from, from, from Coventry. You know, I've been... I've been Banging on about him for, for months and months and months and months. You've influenced and me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I, a big fan now by default. <laughs> but I, I, I think I think he's I think he's perfect for us. You know, I, I do think he, I think he can he, he can come off the left and he can play through the middle. But his physicality, his speed, um, he, he scores all sorts of goals, and he's not afraid to take a shot from outside the box either. And he's as comfortable running a defender as he is. Running off and off the last defender's shoulder, so you know. But Mr. Romano has said there's there's other clubs pushing for him, so you know clubs who've got money to spend. So yeah, I'm. Well, um, then, I've heard two versions of it. Someone I'd consider very reliable tell me that we've we've made free bids for players this um this week alone. Someone else yeah. has suggested also. I'm not suggesting that they're not reliable. That. Our kind of recruitment team is on holiday. We're not doing that, but it's hard to it's hard to factor in. You know, there's lots of people saying different things. You know, and and it's it is hard. What I look at, I always kind of look at it is is actually look at the clubs that have changed in terms of identity. 
and they may lose talent in between. So yeah. what I want to say about this is, what's well, the name you've mentioned automatically? Scott McTominay, you know, very good Premier League player. I'm sure Sir Alex had, had Fletcher, you know, and players like that that he really, really enjoyed. Um, Ted Hag likes possession-based footballers, um, you know, a different style. So you're gonna get you're gonna get teams that will hemorrhage players because there's been a huge uh, manager turnaround. You know, it's only natural for for new managers to come in and want their own style and imprint it. And they, they, there's always wastage. What we don't want is Borbork and Snidelands, as you mentioned before. No, absolutely. But there might be players in and around that that actually we can pick up. You know, that, that suits you know what, what our needs are. And I think McTominay is a very good example of that. Um, Chelsea, again, you know, a, a club probably in a bit of an identity crisis. Um, you know, Pochettino come in, Ted Bowley selling anyone under the sun. You know, are the players there you can pick up on loan? You know, they bought Cucurella for 50-odd million. <laughs> we need a left-back, you know, what's, what's that, that chill world up, up to? You know, or, you know, the, you know, any of them young players, you look at, you know, the lad that Brighton got, the right-back, Lamptey, from them for the next nothing. Um, you know, Gahi, who's gone to, to, to Palace. You know, the, these players are hemorrhaged sometimes from some of the bigger clubs. Um, Tamori, we had, obviously, like, went out of Serie A. Hudson Adoy, for example, you know, we had two, 18 months, two years ago, Brian, Bayern Munich was sniffing around him for 60, 70 odd million. You know, and, and they're on about, he's one of the players who've been linked to, to Saudi. You know, Hudson Adoy, Brozier, Conor Gallagher. You know, you're looking at these type of players now and they must be thinking, right, uh, uh, you know, Christian Nkunku's just come through the door. You know, he, he needs a phenomenally good player. Bro, yeah. Bro, yeah. Um, yeah you, you know, at, you, you could ask for Tini. So, you, mm. you, you know, there's plenty of players out there that, that have been victims probably of a, a change in style for managers. Um, yeah. So I don't think you have lots of money, uh, but you've got to maybe look at them players that that might be leaving clubs already. Can you get a loan, an option to buy? You know that might be a a good way for Everton to approach some of this. Um, you know, that's, that, and to be fair, a lot of the clubs in Turkey and and, and Italy, that's that's what they do. They look at, you know, some of the Premier League clubs and the embarrassments of riches that some of them clubs have got. They take some of them players on. Whether they be clubs from the academy, whether they be clubs that have you know, that have, you know, players that have been replaced, as you say, from you know, from from an Nkunku that has been bought for sixty odd million, and you know, there's already a winger there thinking, well, where's my place gone? I got bought two years ago, uh, but that happens at some of these clubs. Um, so that 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 would be my approach anyway. Um, so thank you very much for listening, Matt. Any closing thoughts anyway? Um, are you? Looking at you, your watch, thinking, when is Bill Kenwright going to fuck off from this football club? And I'll swear, because it's the Wobblers podcast, and I can on this one. It, it, it just can't come soon enough. You know, I think that the minute that announcement is made, Goodison Road is going to feel like it's been doused in Febreze. The smell, the stale smell of, you know, the lingering lingering past 27 years of just mediocrity of everything that's been wrong about this club will just be washed away and I think we can all we'll all breathe a sigh of relief we'll all have a sigh of the weight of a world being lifted off Evertonian shoulders and then we can look forward to 
you know, a, a new era, a new dawn of hopefully forward thinking professional people who will have the interests of Everton Football Club and its supporters and the business of Everton Football Club at heart rather than themselves first. And then how much the club can make for him, they, sorry. Um, and then, you know, be damned with anything else. And as long as they're okay, as long as I'm okay, it doesn't matter. You know, we need, that just needs to go. That whole stale, intangible thing that Bill Kenwright's brought to this club. He's like a dark cloud looking over us all. And until he goes, the protest will continue. They'll intensify. And we're all waiting for the fella to disappear. So if you're listening, Bill, because I know you're obsessed with listening to media and, well, I'm told very reliably that you start to listen to podcasts, you read every article that's written about Everton. So if you're listening, do the right thing, move on. I'll let Everton get on with being Everton and let Evertonian start enjoying this football club again. So thank you very much for everyone that listens. I think we're going to be back much sooner this time than months and months and months. Um, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Bye for now. Oh,